0: Hello, this is Harrison Kim, and you're listening to Working With People by Pavestep. The Working With People podcast is for executives, managers, and people leaders. We bring people experts together to provide you with relevant content on how to think about and manage your most important asset, your talent. We have Mindy here with us today. Hey, Mindy, how are you?
1: Hey, I'm doing well, Harrison.
0: Awesome. Where are you calling in from?
1: I'm calling in from Austin, Texas.
0: Awesome. I'm glad to have you here today we're going to be talking about using agile project planning and methodologies in HR, right? And how we can use use that effectively and how that can benefit the HR teams as well as the whole organization. But before we get there, you know, tell us who you are and what you do.
1: I'm a chief people officer at a local Austin HR solution software company, and I work with senior leadership to create a great workplace experience that really ties the narrative across the company so that we're all aligned, that we're a purpose-driven organization. My job is to create that great workplace experience which ultimately creates a great customer experience through that alignment.
0: Cool. Diving right in, how would you define agile and what does agile HR mean? I've heard it a few times and I'm sure most of our audience have heard it, but how do you define it?
1: Yeah, for me, when I say agile, that really refers to the software development agile practices and methodology, which really is an approach to discover product requirements and developing solutions through the collaborative effort of self-organizing and cross-functional teams to deliver those slices of value to the end user or customer rapidly. So typically in software teams, this is where you have sprints of two weeks. Everybody that needs to do the work, all the doers are on the same team, cross-functional teams. And they're able to work together within a short amount of time. They are given the authority, the decision-making to be able to make things happen. And then they're able to deliver that customer value, get quick feedback on it, and then be able to iterate. And then you kind of have this continuous Evolutionary process where you're iterating constantly, but you have a better flow of communication and a better flow throughout the company if that agile mindset is throughout the company because you're all on the same schedule. You're all understanding what your top priorities are. You're all speaking the same language. Got and it. so when I'm speaking agile, that's kind of what that means to me. And slices of value, if you think of a cake and you think of slices of cake, no one just wants, well, maybe some people just want the frosting, uh, <laughs> but I kind of like to have the whole slice. And that is where we're not just delivering a product to our customers that does one thing or only that is half functional, it's fully functional. And we're able to do that working with cross-functional teams where we're not having to wait on dependencies as the old waterfall approach would do, and then waiting a year to deliver something. And then by that time, our customers may not even need it anymore. Right. Um, so slices of value, I'm really looking at that full slice of cake, fully functional, fully ready that the customer can go in and, and start using.
0: Right. So how does that look like when you apply it to H.R.?
1: Yeah. When you apply it to HR, it really opens up a new mindset. I think in the past when we thought of HR, we thought of it as where we go when we have an employee relation issue, where we need to go when we need to think about compliance and and what policies should we be abiding by. But when we really start to break it down, our customers internally – In order for us to deliver external customer value, we need to be delivering internal value. When I go back to what I was saying earlier about purpose-driven organizations, Mm -hmm. if we're not meeting the needs of our internal customers, we're not going to be attracting and retaining the right talent. At the end of the day, we're going to be able to collaborate with and have the great innovation to drive that customer value. And so when I think of HR, agile HR, there's a lot that goes into it. But if I was to break it down to just one thing, With the agile mindset, we're actually putting our customer at the forefront, which is our internal customer, our employees. But it even means more than that. It means the university candidates that we're looking to hire to become employees. It's also thinking about the families of our employees. Mm -hmm. And so with that product mindset, we are then being able to think about how we're delivering value to those customers and how are we prioritizing that and tying it back to, once again, What are the company initiatives? How do we need to make sure that revenue flow is moving forward? And through Agile HR, we are able to align cross-functionally versus siloed to better deliver that value.
0: Right. That absolutely makes sense. So to make it a little bit more tangible, comparing the Agile versus traditional methodologies in HR, how does the comparison look like and what are some examples?
1: Traditionally, I've seen HR broken out into very siloed groups. You have comp and benefits, you have recruiting, you have your HR generalists, and they didn't really talk a lot together. You may get together for team meetings, you divide up which initiatives those teams are working on, but at the end of the day, a lot of times as a leader, you would start to get a lot of frustration or you start to get roadblocks because when you touch anything in HR, it very quickly affects payroll benefit. And as you start to make some movements within one department of the company as an HR generalist, then that starts to become a, there may be some pay changes or job alignments. And that then goes to your compensation. So if you have these very siloed teams, Agile is a great way to start to break up how you're thinking about the initiatives you want to impact. So, for example, in, Obviously, recruiting your day to day, that's going to stay within your kind of like your siloed approach. But there's so much that a recruiter does and working with a manager and working with a team, if they have that strategic partnership to really understand the business, that if you add in an HR business partner or even cross functionally think about adding in a finance partner from a headcount planning perspective, you could have to start to have these real time conversations with these department leaders, In order to be able to think about the initiatives from a proactive standpoint, for example, let's say if we're looking several months out and we understand the attrition and we have our finance person there, then from a project team standpoint, if we're using agile, we can start to break down when do we need to deliver value. So if we're looking, okay, my organization has these gaps, I need this talent. We know from the HR generalists that we have several people on performance plans. Now, our hope is that those always turn out positive, right? right. But what happens if they don't? If the recruiters in that conversation, too, we can start to be able to understand how long does it take to hire that talent? Are we going to need a recruitment campaign for that? But if they aren't there in the beginning, then it ends up being, oh, my goodness, we just lost all these people. This is what happens today. It usually is. The HR generalists right. like, we just lost all these people. Now you got to hire them as of yesterday. What happens if we brought the recruiter in earlier? What happens if we had that finance partner in earlier? We could actually create a thoughtful plan with milestones, if you think about it, in sprints, where we can start delivering value to that department faster. Right. Another tangible example of Agile HR, because that sounds a little extreme, right? That's probably an organization that's been doing Agile for a while, and -hmm, that can mm even be a little bit scary. I think when you say Agile to HR, they just want to run away. One thing that I have found within HR organizations when you start thinking about starting to apply these different mindsets, these practices, the first thing that often sticks is just being able to understand what is it that we're doing and have transparency of that. Often I go into HR organizations and they feel like they have all these great ideas, but they never get to implement them because they're just constantly dragged down by the day-to-day, by the fires that happen every day. They they never have the opportunity to deliver additional value because they're just trying to keep the wheels on the bus. Right. And by taking a moment to step back as a team and just put, as all the departments within the people team or your HR just like get in front of a whiteboard or a virtual whiteboard and putting down what is everything that we do today. And then you start to find common themes and maybe even redundancies where you have multiple people doing similar like things mm-hmm, and you start mm-hmm. to group them. And then you start to be able to, you see common themes coming out and then you're able to see like what, it, and then if you had the conversation on that or do these things happen throughout the year or who owns these things? Or are these the right things we should be working on?
0: Right. Even that everyone owns. in the
1: room, right? Because I didn't understand that Jane was doing this. And now Jack, I know, is doing something similar. Well, what happens if we came together? But because you have everyone in the room and you're putting all that stuff on the board and you start to theme and prioritize. And if you're saying if you could only do three things in the next month, what are those three things? Then you start to have a different idea of, like, okay, we're going to focus on these three things and put all these other things in what are we going to do next, which in Agile is called a backlog. Mm -hmm. And so then you start to have your backlog of items and the three things that are in process or in progress. Then you move them to complete. Then you can start to take things out of backlog and prioritize those and put those into progress. Now I think in HR we always need to understand that there's always going to be the daily things that we do. Right. But then if we like can figure out is there 20% of our month or you know, 20% of our time that we can put towards three things as an entire organization, as an HR combined team, probably could do that. Mm -hmm. And then you'd be able to have your wall of work that you have in your space. Everyone sees it and you can start to see items moving. Once you start to see items moving from your backlog to in progress to complete, that's really empowering. We actually did this at a previous company, the People Team. We had a board, and we had it where everyone walking by could see it. If there was confidential items, we'd have a special project name. Right. But we had the CEO, the CFO walking by and seeing all the things that were getting done and what we were doing. And they would actually stop and mention, Wow, I didn't know your team was working all these things. Like this is right. amazing. Or you have managers come to us and say, Hey, I really need X, Y, and Z done now. And then we could have conversation. Well, these, this is what our organization has been tasked with. We're prioritized against business initiatives. You know, that is really important, but these other things are important too. What can we move? It creates a different conversation, right? Yeah. It, If they understand, oh, you're going to have to give that up to do this, well, actually, no, that's not okay. We could actually move this to the next month, you know, in your backlog. And then they feel heard. You're just able to have a better prioritization. So even that kind of wall of work idea is something that I found Mm -hmm. initiates a different way of thinking. And with that user in mind, and most HR teams can get around that or do some version of that. And then they take it from there, right? You can take it. It's just a really good place to start.
0: Yeah. The two things that really resonated with me, I think, is if, especially when you think about the current environment that we're living in in 2020, the priorities, especially for the HR and talent team, have just changed a lot mm. so quickly. And being able to run at things, whether it's a weekly or monthly or biweekly type of sprint, I mean, it was critical, right? Because things were literally changing so fast that you couldn't actually get away by creating you know, even a six-month or a quarter plan, right? Right, because yeah. Because things just change too quickly and the priorities need to be shuffled. So I think that probably, you know, hopefully people who are already practicing this were able to reap the benefits of agile practices, you know, this year especially.
1: Yes. And you said the perfect thing that I love there is the stand-ups. Because that's another huge part of Agile is being able to have quick check-ins, quick meetings. And each team will do that in a different way. Some decide to do that daily, the first five minutes or the last five minutes of the day, just to see progress against work. And those have been so key in the virtual world where we can't see each other every day. Because sometimes Mm -hmm. teams naturally, if they're in an open office environment, you may have those quick stand-ups, but when we're virtual – We need to remember to check in with each other. Where are the blockers? How can we help each other as a team in order to keep the team connected, to have those real meaningful team connections?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And the second thing that you talked about, the wall of work and people coming in with quote-unquote urgent requests, there's definitely, when everybody is on the same page of how you're working as an agile team of like, hey, we've got this sprint that's happening right now. Our next sprint planning meeting is next Thursday there's definitely some peace in being like, okay, we'll put it to the list and we'll revisit it during our sprint meeting next week, right? Yeah. There's definitely some peace in being able to do that without people being like, what do you mean, you have other things to do?
1: <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. I think that the key to this too, as an HR organization, we need to remember who are we delivering spices of value to? Who are our users and what is their user journey? I think there's another aspect of this that is even more powerful that you could layer on in really mapping out what that user journey is, because that user is going right. to have different touch points with different people throughout their journey within the HR people team. And what does that look like? Are they having blockers? Are they having barriers? That's hard to understand unless you also take a moment to really understand who are our users and what is their kind of user persona. And really think about what motivates them. What are their needs? What do they care about? And then as you walk that through the journey, how are we meeting their needs or not meeting their needs? How are we speaking to them or interacting with them based on who they are? Because then maybe we're interacting with them in it's completely wrong way. We're not actually engaging with them because we don't have them in mind. And so it's easy to assume, but when you start to really ask those questions and, and break it down and have the team together in a, in a meeting, walking that through the journey, you can really discover a lot. You can discover a lot of ways where you can have efficiencies gained, reduce mm-hmm. some blockers and actually deliver not what's valuable to what you think, but what actually is valuable to that person that will actually be adopted, actually be used and make a difference.
0: Right. No, absolutely. That makes a hundred percent sense. And we've touched on this already, but why is it important for HR to adapt and broaden their methodology so that they can deploy these types of agile practices?
1: It's so important, especially in our hybrid way of working now. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't Mm -hmm. think the workplace is ever going to go back to the way it was. And we're going to have a distributed workforce. We're not always going to be sitting with the people that we're serving. These agile practices, this way of user-led design thinking, they really help us be able to create meaningful connection, meaningful value within a distributed workplace. Mm -hmm. They help us keep top of mind what actually is the most important because we're going to be asked to do a lot with a lot less and things are always going to, the speed of business is only getting faster. Right. And the needs of people are only changing and evolving faster. And we in HR need to be able to keep up with that so that we don't become obsolete so that we don't slow down the business so that we don't become the blocker of the flow of revenue. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I want HR to be seen by our senior leadership as pivotal, pivotal to the success of the company, pivotal to making a difference for employees, I don't want that seat to get lost. And I think it will get lost unless we start to evolve.
0: Right. Yeah. And I love the fact that throughout this conversation, you've been tying back employee experience to customer experience. I think that's kind of like concept that a lot of people, both HR versus non-HR side, Uh, get lost, right? And at the end of the day, it's the employees that make things happen. That connection is something that people tend to not always remember. So I really like the fact that you're tying those back throughout this whole conversation. (laughs) Thank you. So from a tactical step perspective, you talked about the wall of work, which I think is pretty awesome. What are some other things, practices or tactical steps that HR teams can do to be more agile?
1: Yeah, definitely. We also talked about the user Really Mm -hmm. understanding the user and the user stories and the journeys. Also your key stakeholders and risks and dependencies and really kind of thinking about, and not just in a vacuum, right? I think sometimes HR can create (laughs) these things in a vacuum and they're not really thinking about the change management aspect of who is this going to impact or the key stakeholders? Where do I need buy-in? And then you create this awesome thing and then it just dies. And so there are some key project management principles just around change management, key stakeholders, buy-in. That's really important that mm-hmm. I think really does make a difference. I think also starting to include retrospectives into your process, checking in on what were the learnings, not just delivering things and then moving on. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What did we actually see happen? What were our learnings? What can we do better next time? We shouldn't just be one and done. It really is an evolutionary process. It's really starting to think about, okay, that was great, but what can I do to make that even better? And then you can actually start to break it down into smaller chunks so it doesn't feel heavy and you are doing something really good. I think when you hear MVP or minimal viable product and you just think, oh, what's the fastest thing I can do and get it out there? I'm not talking about getting low-quality work out. I'm talking about how do we deliver smaller chunks of value, slices right. of value, that are meaningful, but it's not too heavy that it takes longer or that we're so burnt out by we deliver it that we're done with it. Like, it's about <laughs> how do we doing something that we can learn from and start to just slowly continue to have releases. It's like a release cycle, right? Yeah. And so that's another thing I think we need to think about and then really give our teams the authority to drive decisions. I think that's another key thing as a people team leader. We need to keep in mind that we hire great talent for a reason right. and we need to free them up to be able to have an impact and make a difference. So, and that you don't become your own barrier, but the people team leader doesn't become the blocker. <laughs> I think that's really important to It's about, Mm-hmm. how to trust and let go, which is not, it's easy to say, but not easy to do. <laughs> yep,
0: yeah, no, absolutely not. I love the fact that you talked about the, the change management and the project management type aspect to this. I think one of the biggest challenges for any kind of HR process or initiative or tool, I think is adoption. And when you don't have that user buy-in and you don't even think about it from a user design perspective, then that just decreases that chance even more, right? So that's something that I think most of our audience probably feels kind of very close to heart. <laughs>
1: yeah, and Harrison too. It's about and when we were talking at this reminded me. It's really about kind of first of all understanding what is the problem we're trying to solve. What's the objective? Mm-hmm. And then if we are to deliver this, what are the behaviors we're looking to change? What is success? And right. how can we measure that success? Because we need measurements to be able to see those learnings. It really right. helps to see. Did you drive through? That slice of value, did you drive that change or that behavior or the adoption that you wanted to see? How do you know if you're successful or not without that data? So that's Mm -hmm. another, I think, really tactical step or practice that if a team isn't doing, how can we add that in?
0: Right. That was actually going to be my last question around like (laughs) measuring and evaluating the transformation, both from a specific initiative perspective, but also overall when you're applying this new method of agile practice, you know, how do you measure the success of that?
1: Yeah, exactly. Some ways that you can do that is through tools that are able to set alignment around OKRs and success measures that maybe you take with the sales organization that you're able to integrate with your sales force and Mm -hmm. your activities and revenue. And there's other like systems that you can integrate with if you have some OKR and alignment from JIRA. Right. And there's great tools out there that are able to do that now. And then just investigating, figure out what is the best for your culture and what your teams are working on and also just really understanding, do you actually understand what your team health index is and Mm -hmm. team health being around engagement and around at the end of the day, do people feel that this is a trusted workplace environment that they can work in and come to work to be their full self? And do they feel that they're working with people that are, interacting in a way that's healthy and we're building each other up, that we're having healthy conflict conversations Mm -hmm. where we're able to actually innovate. And there's other great tools that are able to kind of just check in with people to see how are people doing? I mean, I think that's so important, especially as we're virtual, it's easy to jump into the work. But I think the number one question when we start meetings is, how are you doing? Yeah. Also, just creating pulse checks, you know, you don't want to get too survey heavy, but if you ask like short surveys that are really meaningful and people feel that they're being heard and you're showing them and being transparent about the results, I think people are willing to take three minutes out of their week or biweekly to kind of check in with you on things. And then you're able to also use that data or their experience data too. One thing that we implemented at the company from an experience standpoint just to get feedback from our users was a candidate interview experience survey Mm -hmm. so that after the interview process is completely done and all the decisions have been made, we send out a survey to everybody and we ask them about what their thoughts were. How could we have improved it? And Mm -hmm. we have an NPS score on that. So we have a net promoter score. And so we're starting to gather data to create a baseline and just being able to figure out kind of what is our baseline and then create a target that then becomes a great key result for an OKR.
0: Right. And all those more qualitative comments or things that you hear from the survey can help you create right. the right initiatives to tackle. Yeah. Right. So it's really just yeah. helpful data. Yeah. no, Absolutely.
1: Yes, exactly. So, yeah, those are some of the measurements. I think the one thing, too, we were talking about earlier about just checking in with the team. Like it doesn't even have to be a tool, right? It's just right. <laughs> having a real conversation. And sometimes it's good to know, like, you know what? I'm not having a good day today. Okay, well, the rest of the team is going to chip in and we're going to support you because we know that today is, is a little bit rough. Yeah. And just having that point of data can really impact that team meeting, that team conversation.
0: Absolutely. Those are all the more serious questions that I had. One last fun question for you. What is your secret to staying sane while working from home? That is
1: an excellent question, Harrison. (laughs) Excellent. Staying sane. I have found I really have to be more mindful and really think about self-care. I also have a life coach. She was asking me one week when I came in and I felt the monotony of the days, the busyness of the day. Like, I'm always busy. I'm always busy. And she says, what are your priorities right now? I list everything out. And she says, and where are you? Aren't you a priority? I wasn't even on my own list. I didn't even prioritize myself. And that was just an aha moment for me where it's easy, yeah. I think, when you're jumping from your bed to your workplace and you dive into your work and then you're eating your lunch and your dinner. Where in there did you take any moment for yourself? Right. And just to take a step back even and breathe and to reconnect everything together. I think we have the tendency to lose ourselves right now and mm-hmm. making sure that we're taking moments to check in with ourselves and just be intentional and mindful has made such a difference for me. I've started journaling as a way to try to also ensure that self-care is happening.
0: Perfect. Thank you for sharing that.
1: You are welcome.
0: Where can the audience find you and your thought leadership?
1: The audience can find me on LinkedIn. I am Melinda Hankoop and I am happy to connect with people and answer questions. I love meeting new people and thinking with other thought leaders. It would be a joy to talk with anyone.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much for your time, Mindy. I really, really appreciate it. This was fun.
1: It's always a joy talking to you, Harrison.
0: Thank you, everyone, for listening to Working With People by PaveStep. Feel free to check out other episodes on pavestep.com slash podcast.